stuck in our homes But you're not alone Press the big feet at peace Where should the breeze COVID-19 has you down Down So stay with us and hang around Until it all works out I'm Peggy. And I'm Dave. How are you today? I'm fine. And you? Happy Saturday. Woo woo. Saturday's a good day. It is a good day. So sun is peeking through. The ground is trying to dry out. Um, after we record, we're going to go outside and play. Timmy, for his birthday yesterday, got a Ninja Warrior obstacle course set. So, uh, mud be damned, we're going to set it up anyway and just let them get really dirty. Good. So, Excellent. Yes, should be fun. Good times, good times. Indeed. How did How was your, the rest of your day uh, yesterday? It, it was good. It was good, you know. Um, tried to put the, the stripping incident behind us as we proceeded through the rest of the day. Uh, Robbie's talking to me again, so that's a good thing. Did you happen to see what I titled our podcast on our webpage yesterday? I think it was the horror or something like that, right? <laughs> yes, it was the horror. It was the only way. I was thinking if if I were in, in that situation, that's how I would describe it, just the horror. Yep. I didn't hear from any teachers, though, so that's a good thing. That is good. Yeah, yeah. So, and I maybe, think all still the other students in the going, maybe all of the other students were going and getting a drink of water, too. Yeah, I'll, Robbie will find out when he meets on Monday and they all talk before class starts. None of them can... none of them messaged him or said anything, though? Oh, he logged off immediately. Oh. <laughs> he didn't want to know. Exactly, exactly. Gotcha, gotcha. So, but we, we did cake, and um, so I thought that we would surprise Timmy with the magic trick candles. Yeah. Are the ones that, that relight when you blow them out? Of course, yes. Yeah, yes. But when you're in the middle of a pandemic and you're trying to, like, keep germs to a minimum, probably wasn't my brightest idea. Because no, you don't spent... want your son spit all over the cake? <laughs> exactly. He he blew them for about 90 seconds trying to get them out. And then I finally, we I put the camera down and Scott and I both grabbed the cake when he started just spitting on the candles to get them to go out. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not ideal. Yeah, it's like, all right, we need to think this through more next time. But at least we had the, the last day of five cake. So he could eat the birthday cake, and I ate the last day of five cake. Okay. Cool. So, yeah, yesterday um, wasn't a banner day in the Chenoweth house. But it was a sixth birthday that will it go down in history. Birthday. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. So... Yeah. How did your go-to-meeting music share go? Did you get it working? You no, know, we did. Um, I, I I did use my my Amazon Echo to be my speaker, and it worked splendidly. And I will tell you, we uh, you know I ended up with the three of the four people on on the management team that I'm a part of um, were on the call. One one had taken a day off, um, but it, we had 
so much fun just talking through, you know, the songs. And um, it was really interesting because um, just three very different people with three totally different interests and, um, you know, listening to very different kinds of music for very different reasons. But it was a lot of fun. Now, did it you ever really share, good. did you share with the listeners what your song was? I don't know if I did yesterday with you. It was, um, no. So my favorite song is Hey Jude. And my favorite part of Hey Jude comes, I think, at about the 611 mark in the song. It's when the song's actually fading out. And um, Paul McCartney just loses his ever-loving mind. And it's just screaming and, and laughing. And it's just amazing and this was one of the things that was cool about it like two of my co-workers said i like to listen to this because i the, the music they chose was very very uh, quiet like easy listening almost and they were like i listen to it because i need it to calm me down and i said you know for me music is all about just the release it's catharsis so i tend to gravitate towards music that is really loud and that is um, pushing emotion out really hard. And that's what I loved about this, this one, you know, this 11 second thing that McCartney does, uh, at the end of Hey Jude, where it's just like, he is, it's just pure raw emotion. It's just, and it comes through the speakers. I get goosebumps every time I hear it. Um, wow. so, uh, it was, it was fascinating. Uh, it also led after we had talked about that for about 25 minutes, we then turn to what is our, you know, what is the song we're most embarrassed of liking? And that was that was a lot of fun, too. Um, and, and I regret to say uh, from your perspective, Peggy, that uh, my my guilty pleasure that I admitted to was uh, Bon Jovi. Um, Yay. Why are you embarrassed about that? Because they're not really a great rock band. And especially in the 80s when they were just a hair metal band. But um wanted dead or alive i just always thought that was a great song i don't know why it doesn't i it stands for nothing i believe in it's just kind of your rock and roll tour song stereotypical rock and roll tour song and when it comes on i would listen to it still today okay. i'd be like oh yeah great song okay i'll take it i'll take it we're moving the needle in the right direction <laughs> yeah well we're we're still you, you realize we're orders of magnitude still away from the wiggles just so you know oh, I, I am aware of that I'm okay. aware of that. So Good. that's all right. The Wiggles no, have helped but... me explain the pandemic to my now six-year-old. So right now they're very high on my appreciation list. Yeah, we, uh, so it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a really good exercise. And then um, after that, sorry, if anyone's hearing my daughter talking in the background. Cause... Hi, Caroline. No, she's already gone. Okay. There's lots of activity here right now. Um, what's actually happening is my, my in-laws, who live about 30 minutes away, um, are, you know, have been feeling trapped in their house. And so they announced that they're coming over um, and we're going to have a social distance uh, sit down out in the back patio with them. And so everyone is rushing to get ready because, you know, we've been living in squalor for a month. Oh, how so nice. People are showering and getting dressed and getting clothes. And so there's lots of activity here right now. Yeah, um, we were thinking about doing that with my mom having her come down and actually be able to see the boys. But I, I'm not sure that I could keep Timmy like away from like hugging her and climbing on her and, and things like that. So I don't think we're quite there 
yet it's, but it's it's difficult and and i'll be honest um my my father-in-law is, is suffering from alzheimer's and dementia and it's a problem with him yeah um because he's so excited to see his daughters and his grandkids and it's exactly the same issue um it's it's tough it's really have tough. they been home though they haven't traveled either no they've done nothing for really a month um i i believe last weekend they may have done this with um kara's sister who lives about five minutes from us okay uh, but this is the first time we're seeing them um out of their house kara and i Kara has gone over there a few times just to drop food off and check in and sort of talks to them from the porch. Um, but this will be the first time we've seen them out of their house. In oh, good. Like probably two months now. Yeah, it's hard. It's it really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and, it's still necessary. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not giving up, but it's, it's definitely hard. Yeah, it is. It is. But that's all right. I mean, you know, got to do it. Well, imagine right I, I give my mother-in-law all the credit in the world. Imagine doing this and your husband is suffering from, uh, you know, a, a disease that is basically making him a highly dangerous five-year-old. Yeah, um, that would a, be. And yeah. now there's, I mean, they do have um, home health support. That still comes to the house multiple days a week. Okay. Yeah, but it's not anything close to twenty four seven. And now there's no like the the daughters can't come over. I can't come over. My brothers in law can't come over and provide any relief. There's nothing we right. can do. So that is just got to be hyper intense. Yeah, she's she's gonna need a break when this is all over. Yeah. Yep. She's a warrior though. She just guts through it. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, well, I mean, I think a lot of people are really rising to that occasion, you know, that that you just, you don't have a choice. Yeah, it's absolutely right. This, I, I think one of the things that we, I was, I was saying to people in, in our company, um, when, when this all started breaking, all the news started breaking and it became clear that this was, we were changing how we had to operate. And I said, this really exposes you for what you are good and bad i said that yeah. if you're you know people who respond well to this it pro I, I think pressure really reveals who people are um and we may not act our best all the time but in general i mean there are people who under pressure can become really destructive and nasty mm -hmm. and there are people who under pressure become incredibly um you know confident and forgiving and um and helpful and i think that's it really reveals who you are in some ways I don't know if you have thought about this at all. Let's turn this into an amputee podcast for a second. Like maybe talk about limb loss and limb difference. Okay. But um, I, when this was going on early on and I was trying to figure out how I was going to talk to the people in my organization who report to me and, and that I'm responsible for, um, and I was sort of struggling with that. I said, geez, I don't know if I can really do this. One of the things that I was saying to myself was I've been through something that is unfathomable to most people i've been through that i've come out the other side yep I, I know i know and when i did it overall it, it was a really positive experience for me so i really believe that you know to some degree pain and suffering does sort of forge you into something can forge you into something better and stronger and 
that was very much the attitude that I that I took into this. But it was really a teaching from my amputation. Did you at any point have you made that kind of connection either implicitly or explicitly in your brain? Like have you thought that at any point? Yeah, I I actually return to that that spot whenever I feel overwhelmed or things become just too big if you look at it in its totality and I I look at things and I I tend to do that very naturally like you know I survived what most people say is a horror um you know I can get through that I can get through this this is nothing yeah I mean not and I think of that with with the accident and the surgeries and then the actual amputation and then you know when I was pregnant with Timmy I was diagnosed with cancer so I lived through a pregnancy with cancer um, and I survived that. So kind of those two life experiences really kind of put everything else in perspective. And, you know, yeah, I'm frustrated. Yes, I want to go out, but, you know, if this is the worst that it's going to get for me, I am very, very lucky. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, I, I, I this is where, I, I've told people many times, and we've talked about it on the podcast, if I could have back my leg but lose everything that I learned as a result of that experience, I wouldn't take it back. And this is another one of those times where I, I don't know, I just feel very fortunate to have gone through that and been able to um, get pulled into this world, which you know I never knew anything about and didn't expect to be a part of. Um, it's It's really... A blessing. Yeah, and you know, I'm a completely different person, and I know you're a completely different person, and our perspectives are completely different. And I think that when you yeah. experience the limb loss, the the one of the first takeaways is you got to learn to adapt. You've got to learn to make accommodations to roll with what your situation is, because you can't change something. But you learn very quickly that you may not be able to change the incident, but you are in control of certain factors afterwards. And one of those is how you feel about it and how you respond to it. And you can take those lessons like now. You know, it. I could be angry and frustrated and bitchy all the time, or I could be setting up obstacle courses and trying to go with the flow. Either way, I'm gonna be home. Either way, right. I'm gonna still be at the house. It's not gonna change the situation, but one way is going to be a lot more pleasant than the other and you are in sure. control of that yeah we can choose we can choose how to respond there is we do have some control even in situations that feel out of control we can choose our response to it and i and i i said this very early on when i was younger and i think it was this was more set out of kind of an overwhelming belief that you know you that i could individually sort of shape reality it was a, probably not a healthy sentiment but the fact was that how you how you choose to respond does define who you are mm -hmm. um, and that's that's something that if you're not if you haven't gone through something like that and you, you went through you know you've gone through multiple different challenges uh beyond the amputation um but you come out the other side of that it puts everything in perspective and it says it says something very real about who you are and what's important and um and i think the people around you you know obviously notice that as well so it's it's all about choice and 
you know, we're all in this together. I know that that's becoming a very overused sentiment, but I think people keep saying it because they don't know what else to say. And it's true. And everybody is living the same variation of an experience right now. Um, in that our world has been turning upside down, but, but not everybody is in the same boat. And I keep thinking about that. Like, yeah, I'm frustrated that I'm home with the kids and that their activities are canceled, but I thank God every day that I'm not one of those people who have to wait in the long meandering lines of the food bank because all of a sudden they can't afford groceries because of this. We are not in that situation in this family. And we are so grateful about that. Um, you can always look at, at a situation and decide if you're going to see the positive in it or the bad in it. And, you know, whichever choice you make is how your day is going to progress, really. Sure. I agree completely. We're in so, violence agreement, Ms. Chenoweth. But that was kind of deep for a Saturday morning chat, Dave. It was. I can shift gears right back to the benign. <laughs> you'd like, you know, the, the benign and banal. Um, I, w- I will say uh, I was I was very happy. I was a, I've been able to finish a few books in the last week. I, I, I was sort of was working through three different books or two different books simultaneously, and I was slogging through both of them. Wasn't going quickly, but I managed to finish them both basically within 24 hours of each other. And then yesterday I started a book that's been sitting on my Kindle for a few months while I was going to finish the other books. And it was called, I think it was called uh, Death of the Republic. And it was about um, the assassination of James Garfield, President Garfield. And um, a fascinating book about um, how basically doctors killed the president of the United States. Really? Because they had no idea what they were doing. And they rejected um, Dr. Lister from England, um, who was the guy who was the 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 doctor who basically discovered that antiseptics in surgery were important. Maybe is that where they get Listerine? I believe so. Yeah, I'm sure that's where the name comes from. But um, it describes Garfield gets shot and they they bring him up to this room in the in the train station where he's gotten shot and he's lying on a filthy mattress and the first thing that happens is a doctor comes in and sticks his finger in the in the uh, entry hole to where the bullet went through and likely introduced infection. And then these doctors did, they put probes in him that were completely unsanitary, trying to find the bullet and where it had gone. And when they autopsied him 80 days later, it took him 80 days to die. He started out at 210 pounds. When he died, he weighed about 130 pounds. Um, His body, what he, he was completely septic. It sounds And the guy apparently bore it with just, you know, incredible grace and no complaining. No, he was just an amazing dude. But the horror of what he had to live, what he lived through the last 80 days of his life is unimaginable. And when they describe just his body riddled with abscesses because of what these guys had done to him, it's, it's so infuriating. I was angry reading them like these idiots and they thought they and they just refused to listen like Lister had gone and spoken at medical conventions and said we've stopped you know there's there's no deaths now in our hospitals 
due to infection. We don't have any gangrene. We don't have any of this anymore. And American doctors were like, if we can't see germs, they don't exist. You're nuts. Right. It right. was just insane. Well, unfortunately, that mentality still exists. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a little bit of that um, today in different areas. It's not yes. so much in medicine, uh, but yeah, it was but a really good book if anyone's interested. Um, oh, good. Really interesting. Yeah, now, now today I get to I get to spend some time finding another one. That's going to be one of my activities this afternoon. I got to find okay. some new books. Okay. Yeah. I I have not been reading because when when I'm not working and I'm not playing with the kids and taking care of other stuff, I've been doing the mask making. So right. we have a little production in the whole corner of my living room dedicated to manufacturing masks for anybody who needs them and I, I keep making them and I keep thinking all right I don't need any more and then somebody calls me and asks me if I can you know that they need some so I'm like all right so I'm not by any any stretch of the imagination a talented seamstress but I can piece together the masks that's great so how many do you think you've made overall mm, maybe 60 that's a lot yeah yeah, I've Bravo. gotten a lot faster at it. I, and I, well, I put, I put Robbie to work on it. I make Robbie cut the pattern um, and he cuts the pieces while I'm sewing them because I make them, they have a double lined pocket. So it's actually five right. layers of fabric that you're breathing through and then the filter. Right. And we put a little um, pipe cleaner piece around the nose so it can mold around the nose. Oh, smart. Yep. Yeah, but yep. then I so I gave a bunch of those to my neighbor who decided to disinfect it in the microwave. So, um, oh. yeah, so I have to make her new ones. That didn't go so well, I'm guessing. But I, you know, I ripped apart one of my quilts to do it and used all that fabric. So then I hit my Christmas bin because I had a bunch of Christmas fabric. So now they're all just Christmas themed masks, but they work. So. Well, great that you're doing it. Um, so. and helping people that's great it's fun it's fun it's a way that that you can help you know when everything else feels overwhelming uh, you know and I'm hoping that that's a lesson that not so much Timmy but that Robbie can take from this when he looks back and, and remembers when he lived through the pandemic is you know that that you actively seek out ways to help yeah great point um and something that i have not really done with with my kids and as you were saying it i was like oh that would have been still is a really good life lesson that we can teach them but um yeah as you know if you're sitting there like you know if you've got kids who are really anxious about all of this and you can give them a task that you say will help deal with it that's um really empowering and you know um along that line i do want to mention uh robbie is a a greeter for, and I, f I forget the name of it right now, when the World War II veterans come to the uh, Capitol to look at the World War II monuments and that sort of thing. Yes. There's an organization, I forget what it's called right now. Anyway, um, he's he's done volunteer work with them and they put out a call that these veterans aren't able to come and a lot of them are in their nursing homes and are not seeing their families and they're lonely. So they're asking for kids to draw pictures, write letters, that sort of thing. And I have a central address where we can send them all to. And then those people disperse them. So if anybody has kids that, that want to get involved, 
Um, Dave, I'll make sure that you have the address and we can put it in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. So that's it. That's all I've got today. Phenomenal. Send send me that address when you send me uh, the link to the recording today, and Sounds I good. will I'll put it right in where we normally just dump the uh, the oh so clever uh, you know sort of snide comments about the podcast describing it. I will include that address right there, so it'll be right on the website with this podcast. Perfect. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Good talking All to right. you. Hey, have a good visit today. Enjoy your family time. Thank you. Will do. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. Stuck in our home.